All right, guys, we're back again. Another week, another podcast, another fire guest. Um, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. Uh, Actually, like I said earlier, off camera, I don't know how to introduce you, bro. There's there's a lot. There's a lot that uh, that you're into. There's a lot that you're doing. Um, I will get into to all of it today as well. Um, But just to run down the resume, so it's extensive resume. Um, So Burn company that you introduced me to, one that I know well um, as well, uh, the Black United Representation Network. For those of you who don't know, do your research. Amazing organization, get involved, see where you can, you know, kind of tap in and um, see all the great work those guys are doing as well. Uh, Sablecoin, which I'm definitely uh, interested to find out more about. Um, the Psyker as well. Um, we talked about that offline. Um, bank that you guys are, you're in the team, I should say. Um, uh, uh, building that in Ghana. And then um, ADPAC, I think it's called, uh, the African uh, Diaspora Public Affairs Committee, So, which I think you're, you're part of that, yeah. that organization as well. So, the TAP project as well. Yeah, no, a, a lot, a lot, oh yeah, and, and can't forget TAP, of course, can't forget <laughs> TAP, no, absolutely. So, there's a lot that, you know, this episode is definitely going to be um, pretty good in terms of really breaking down all of the, you know, different organizations and, and things that you and the team are doing, but also getting your perspective on, you know, the landscape of things and how, you know, we can obviously push the culture forward, how we can get a lot more people in the spaces that when we discuss, you know, we, we don't think there's enough of us in these spaces um, and in positions that can influence change as well. So it's going to be a dope conversation. Um, so for those of you listening, uh, welcome to uh, another episode of Bring Others Along. And today we got Otis on the, uh, on, on the, on the show. So welcome, my bro. Thanks for having me, bro. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah, no, nah, nah, me as well. So I almost want to just jump straight into it. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to really kind of get to grips with, or at least understand, is all of the stuff you're doing now, and I think you're obviously heavy in the community, well-connected, and, you know, you have a, a certain aura about you in terms of, you know, all of the things that you, you're looking to do. When did it start for you? You know, was it something that, you know, your parents kind of the upbringing that was installed in you in terms of, you know, kind of black excellence, pushing the culture forward, just being really self-aware of who you are or when did that kind of start for you? I'd say I feel I've been um, switched on from early. So I remember at the age of seven, I remember wow. where I was like specifically at that point, I was on the bus, it was near uh, what at the time was Mossside Jobs and I remember asking the nana, why is Jesus white? And the way how she didn't answer the question to to my liking, I've mm. just been questioning things from from then. And it was just, um, yeah, I guess that was my, my path to awakening and um, seeking further knowledge on how yeah. to develop myself. Um, I guess as well, um, from from the age of about sixteen. Um, I came across another book called um, Children of the Matrix from David Icke mm. and that like opened my mind up to a, a few a few things, started questioning a lot more things. Me and my friends started to go to some classes where he was teaching different things and I don't necessarily agree with the avenues that those classes were going down. It just sparked a different mindset and a, a different way of thinking. In my in my brain and more started connecting me to Africa, mm. which then set me on the path of discovering my purpose and trying to 
achieve the my full my full potential whilst yeah. I'm here. No, I like that story because I don't think there's many people that I've spoken to, especially on the show, who would have said to me one of the questions they had at seven years old was, "Why is Jesus white?" Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it was fascinating just. You know, catching up with you offline, you know, we spoke quite extensively about all the stuff you've got going on. And that was one of the main things that, you know, kind of triggered me was, you know, your level of thinking, I think, is so elevated. And I was I was very impressed in terms of, you know, knowing exactly who you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, especially in today's world, it's not, it's not necessarily very common. You know, there's a lot of, you know, kind of going with the wave or people just kind of following suit or, you know, getting in where they fit in kind of, you know, scenarios. So I found that really, really intriguing. And that's what, you know, prompted me to say, you know, I definitely need to get you on the show and definitely need to kind of get your perspective on things. So at such a young age, what kind of, I guess, friends and, you know, what's that circle that you're running with as well? Because I guess it's one thing to, you as an individual, mm-hmm. to be, thinking like that and really trying to, you know, expand kind of, I guess, your your mindset and, you know, kind of what your beliefs are in life. But are you surrounded by like-minded people, friends at such a young age, or are you just kind of a loner out there? No, I think I've just always been, I've always kind of been a bit of a loner mm-hmm. in the sense like I'm grateful for the way how I was from young because I wasn't someone to give into peer pressure. Mm-hmm. So like growing up around my circle of friends, I was the only one that didn't smoke weed and everyone's pressuring me like they are trying it. But I was just I was very strong minded and I feel certain experiences that I went through obviously would have contributed to that. So I grew up with my dad in and out of prison, he was a drug addict and probably subconsciously seeing how that impacted him played a role in my decisions that I made and also along with me pursuing a football career so I didn't drink alcohol, didn't smoke, nothing like that. And then yeah, feel those were certain attributes that contribute towards my my the upbringing. Yeah. yeah. No, it's interesting, and I, I want to touch on that because you know a good friend of ours, and you know someone that again I highly respect. I've spoken about it a few times on the podcast actually. Raf, mm-hmm. you know, and, and he obviously connected us. Shouts out to shouts yeah, out shout to Raf and Armstrong. Uh, yeah, big time. Um, so obviously his journey to me is just fascinating. Mm. Incredible, incredible guy. Incredible story. But you mentioned something as well that you know. Did Raf tell you how we met? Where I know you from, or anything? Actually, no. I don't think he went into too much oh. detail. We'll, we'll definitely get into that. Actually, I don't think he connected lots. He was just like, "You need to be Otis. He's that guy. I'll <laughs> set you guys up." That <laughs> was just <laughs> a quick one. All it was was we just played for the same football team. So we both played for oh, the side okay. football team and we was undefeated in the league for ten years. A decade. A decade. Jesus. Ballers. Now he did say to me, <laughs> yeah, I think his claim, well, I claim to fame was actually a pro, but he was talking about, uh, I think, a, a match he had, and uh, I think Welbeck, I said, I think he said it was, was playing, he was like, yeah, I had it in my pocket, oh, yeah, shout out to Raph, my really, yeah. really good guy. But it's something interesting that you just brought up, which is the, the kind of experience, and, you know, maybe you can touch on this, seeing, like you said, your dad, um, being, uh, you know, uh, kind of addicted in terms of the influences and stuff like that he was under. And I often, because I've had my own, you know, kind of, I guess, kind of traumas with that, you know, from my own family upbringing and, and, you know, losing my dad at a young age as well, um, and kind of how that affected me. So at that age, what age are you at? What's when this is happening? 
when what was happening when your dad um, oh just from from, just from birth yeah. <laughs> okay. so no because it, i just wanted to find out you know from a a, a mindset and just a standpoint of how it or if it did influence you in any way, shape, or form, kind of seeing that, or you know, like you said, you kind of lived with it your whole life, mm -hmm. unfortunately. So, how did that kind of shape you? Was there anything that you kind of take with you now that you look back and go, you know, this was actually messed up situation? Um, I guess it was a certain scenarios that would happen, mm -hmm. like or incidences that I pick up from young. That when I look back and, and reflect, I can see how that would have shifted me. Uh, my thought process and thinking and I was probably more in denial when I was younger I remember a friend saying something oh your, your dad's um, on drugs and just like no he's not you know yeah, 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 type yeah. thing but um, yeah sorry what was the question yeah, <laughs> no it's, it's, it's actually interesting because it, you know the question was kind of like you said you kind of use that as fuel as to not yeah go down that that pathway and I think you know for so many yeah again your lived experiences and what you're surrounded by mm -hmm. often kind of becomes a reality. Oh, definitely. And, like, you know, you were, I guess, the, the opposite. Or you used that, I guess, to kind of stay away from it. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong, I did get caught up in a couple of things because I remember seeing, like, my first shooting at Seven. I've got a lot of weird memories from wow. Seven and um, and different things in the area growing up and then it just became the norm, like, because I could write some passage and it was just normalised. But I feel like I kind of changed my circle to... A circle who was more on like girls and football and then because that circle then got involved in other stuff that the other circle I was involved in I, like I came like became like one of the leaders of that circle okay. but that phrase didn't last long as I was starting to make developments within my football career so mm. um, I was playing for a team called Altrincham and uh, made it into their first team at 17 and it was at that point where I started to like make decisions like what, what do I want out of life like I'm going to continue going down that path because I know where that's going to lead so then I started like, you know, quitting, cutting things out and making set decisions for my life. No, that's dope, man. And I suppose it's kind of good um, in many ways that you found that path or you, I guess at that age, you're kind of starting to ask questions about, you know, like you said, what do you want out of life? I guess the football kind of um, opportunities presenting itself as well. Um, and maybe just touching on that a bit, was it? kind of a focus for you growing up whereas it was like oh I can actually do the football thing I'm good enough was that ever kind of the, the focus or did you just just fall into it um I didn't properly start playing football until I was like 14 I started playing mm. Sunday league and like my first ever match I scored four goals and then Manchester City came to watch me in the next game and from then I thought I, I've got a good chance in this based on things what people were telling me and even like at the age of 17 like um Played four games for the Ocean youth team, scored 15 goals, got put into the reserves, scored one goal in one, got put straight into the first team, played four games. The fourth game, we played a friendly against Manchester City. So I was playing against like Sean Wright Phillips, Joey Barton, Sean Golter was playing. Um, and then I got scouted that game. So then I went on to trials at Bristol City and Bristol Rovers. I was there for like um, a couple months. But... I didn't, I know my own downfall, like I didn't put the work in, so the, the difference from semi-pro to um, professional, the levels of fitness, it's just, just worlds apart, and I wasn't putting that work in, and that's what was my downfall, but I can look back and say I had a, had a good experience. Yeah. In, in no, definitely, yeah, I absolutely bored you just mentioned as well, to be fair, and I think it's, it's, it's always one of those, you know, kind of things that's, that, that just can't be denied, can't be missed, it, it doesn't really matter the field, it doesn't really matter you know, kind of what you're doing. 
there's really no substitute for hard work. You know, it really uh, we found out that some ex pros on the floor on the on the, um, on the show as well, and they were saying, you know, how much dedication, how much work, and a lot of the time, yeah, the talent's fine, but you know, the hard work really separates you and sets you apart. So definitely, no, that, that, that's actually interesting. So, what was the transition like? I guess you know, from the football side of things, or like you said, that's now. I guess not working out was there then a focus on any other areas yeah yeah so from when so after Ultraman they were going to Chester City around 18 also played for Barbados on the 21s come on all the beiges out there and then I just at that time so Mark Wright who used to play for Liverpool he took over Chester and he'd been done for some race something rape to racism and, yeah. and I just knew like oh uh, so there's a few black players traveling from Manchester to there and we was the only ones who weren't getting paid but everyone else was getting paid and that was like wow when I knew like yeah it's, it's, it's a wrap and around that time my group of friends we was heavy into music mm-hmm. so I started pushing with the music I was a DJ at the time but then I realized I was more interested in the behind the scenes stuff mm-hmm. so then I was like managing a group of um, a group of people and then transitioned into more of the business side with um, doing event management and getting into under 18, so people like Gets, Wiley, Wretch, those type of people. And then I um, got an investment and set up a recording studio. So I was running a recording studio for a few years. Uh, a lot of the top Manchester eyes, like Bugs in the Lone, Gecko, Shy Horror, those type of people, I was um, using the studio. And then I feel like I kind of had another shift in like, I wanted to more have my income generated around me and creating an impact on my community. Mm-hmm. So we, we had a WhatsApp group of, um, of just community members like-minded and then we started talking about well, what can we do to impact our, yeah. our yeah. community. So that's why at that time I was shifting out of the, like, the music stuff, I sold the studio and then this was like the creation of TAP projects. So we formed from a WhatsApp group, we put on community events based on like Black love, sex and relationships, black economics. We invited someone called Kevin Burnett down from London, not sure if you know of him. Um, black mental health. So we was doing these kind of events and then we actually registered as an organisation in October in 2021. And then we've just gone on from strength to strength from there. So we've done things like the Black Achievers Dinner Dance at the Hilton Hotel. We had close to 250 guests. It was hosted by Judy Love. We had guest speakers, Asha D aka Ashley, Ashley Waters and Dean Okai Senior. We had dancers, singers, um, a, a, a play. So yeah, it was just an epic event. We um, raised £5,000 for 10 black-owned charities and we also launched a black business directory called the Noir Pages at the time. Nice, nice. Yeah. And this is why, you know, like we've spoken <coughs> about some of these things offline and, you know, just now putting the pieces together and kind of you just giving that brief, you know, Kind of trajectory and kind of how you got into it it really came from i guess like you pointed out earlier from seven years old really having a bit of self-awareness and you know knowing who you are because i think it's very easy when you're running in those circles you know as a footballer especially in the music scene mm-hmm. to get lost like real 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 quick you know mm-hmm. we've seen it time and time again but for you to kind of step outside of that and really find yourself and then just figure out how you can impact the community Mm-hmm. and carve a life and a career out of it I think that's that's pretty powerful and that's why I wanted to get you on because I think the things that you guys are doing you know it just speaks to what we're about on yeah. the show you know bring others along it, 
kind of says what it does on the tin. And it's really about how not just we can impact the community and move the culture forward, but how many of us can we really get moving and galvanizing in the same direction. So 100%. yeah, no, that's that's heavy, man. So you're and the dinner, yeah, congrats on the dinner, by the way. That's, that's, that's a very good look. Um, so in terms of now the roles that, and many different roles, so I definitely want to get a perspective on a lot of these different areas that you're, you're looking into. The one that really caught my attention, because it's a hot topic at the moment, mm -hmm. and it's something that everyone's kind of, I think probably 99% of the population have no clue what's going on, but you know, you've got the odd people who, who probably pay more attention. The, the Bitcoin, um, side of things and, okay. and what you guys are, <laughs> what you guys are developing. Yeah. So talk more about um, Sablecoin and just kind of the, the origins of it. You know what you guys are looking to build, the purpose of it, because I, I think it's dope. You know what you're actually doing with that. Yeah. So this is my my favorite organization that I'm involved in, in regards to the mission mm. and the potential of what can be achieved if we fulfill it. If we yeah complete the mission. So basically, um, Sable Ascent is a, um, a Pan-African cryptocurrency and remittance of, uh, corporation. So what we do is we have a, we've launched our own um, cryptocurrency, which is available on free exchanges at the moment. Mm -hmm. And the cryptocurrency is pegged to minerals, which gives it, gives it its values. So minerals such as gold, diamonds, land, etc. So we're just in the process of completing the wallet. So what it is, it's ready, it's on um, it's available from the app stores, but we need to add in um, an integration which is visa. we've got a Visa and MasterCard license. Mm -hmm. So once we integrate that within the license within the wallet, we'll be able to bridge from the crypto world to the fiat world. So this allows us to automatically convert the cryptocurrency to any fiat currency wherever you are situated in in the, in, in the planet, whether it's in England to pounds. America dollars, etc., etc. So um, yeah, what what part of the mission is? We're building relationships with different landowners across the continent in Africa, and the way how we can do this is we can um, create some uh, um, an instrument. So it's a document called the Four Three Dash One Hundred One Report, mm -hmm. and this is like a geological study of the land. But based on this specific instrument, it can then be used to raise capital. So say if the land that we're surveying is worth 2.5 billion, for example, mm -hmm. which isn't unrealistic because there's a lot of minerals yeah, in the land, we can then generate 10% of that capital, which is a 250 million pound, and then we'll use these funds to create infrastructure projects so we can build out the, the countries, and build out the roads, create hospitals, schools, Dope. things like that. So this is what we're aiming to, to do. As a lot of people are aware, there's a lot of, issues on the continent where they're seeking investment from parties who don't have their best interests at heart mm -hmm. and are unable to pay these loans back and they're losing land and losing airports and docks and yeah, you know, things like that so this is a, a solution that can counteract this issue that's happening yeah now like i said man kudos to you and the team because i think it's super impressive because again i think the mission is very clear you know the empowerment and probably for our people, especially, like you said, on the continent, it, I mean, a lot of people listening to this and, and most people who probably don't or aren't too familiar and, you know, kind of tapped in with what's actually happening um, on the continent, it's, it's crazy how these outside forces 
you know, are able to come in and influence and basically, in a lot of ways, dominate what actually happens mm-hmm. on the like. It's, it's actually crazy to me. Oh, so, and and it's so rich in obviously we know this resources and and the people, the talent that's there, you know, the minds that's there. It's just something that hopefully, you know, this kind of um, I guess venture you guys are on, we can start to see. Number one, the, the, the funds that are needed mm-hmm. to get these infrastructures off the yeah. ground and hopefully, you know, allow people to see it's a, you know, kind of do for self um, kind of scenario. Because yeah. I, I feel like that's maybe one of the things that's lacking or missing is, yeah. you know, how can we do more for self? How can we as a community band together and really kind of, you know, just look at each other side to side and just mm-hmm. kind of push it forward? So, no, that's, that's dope. And when I saw it, when you told me about it, I was like, well, you know, you hear the Bitcoin and yeah, you hear yeah. this and everyone's like, oh yeah, this, this is definitely a scam. No, <laughs> no one is buying into this. No one's buying what, what makes it a Pan-African cryptocurrency is that in order to be a recipient on the platform, you need to be a minimum 51% black-owned business. Mm-hmm. So within the app, it will have like a, like a directory of the different businesses that you can circulate and spend that currency with. So when yeah. it gets to the point where us as black businesses produce everything we consume, and would no longer need to be um, access their system. We'd be able to function without even being part of the field. Love that, love that. Do for self, man. Yeah, you know, interesting. That's, that's definitely the mentality. So, and that's that's on the way. That's kicked off. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. So we've got a deal that we're trying to tie up at a minute. Hopefully, it should be next week. It's worth about ten mil. Once that goes through, then we'll have all the finances to put everything in place, invest in the different countries, get the extraction equipment complete the wallet development and yeah, so our yeah, systems go yeah. after that. Now, hopefully by the time this comes out, you know, we might yeah. be popping some Ace of Spades, I don't know, we'll see, Why? we'll Definitely. see, <laughs> we'll see. Now, but like I said, my brother, I'm, I'm, I'm super psyched and excited for what's coming and what you guys are building, so mm-hmm. yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye out. Um, I want to switch gears for a second because yeah, sure. this is something that we, we spoke about as well. Um, it ties into the conversation somewhat, which is, and, and the mission that we're quite, you know, heavily pushing and, and the narrative we're heavily pushing is within these industries, and it doesn't really matter um, with what industry you look at, you know, there's clearly a, a lopsided ratio of, you know, kind of, you know, black ethnic minorities who are number one in these spaces and number two, who are actually at a level where they can, you know, influence change, they can make decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, we always talk about having a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, no, nah, we'll bring our own table. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that, you know, yeah, but yeah. we still need to be in these rooms. So talk about, I guess, the work. Cause I think you mentioned, um, you know, a couple of things that you and the team were doing, whereby that was the focus to try and get, I believe it was predominantly our black women as well, I mean, yeah. the one you were, you were telling about. You yeah, know, yeah, that's sure. So, so in regards to what you're saying about the seat at the table and creating our own table, um, I feel we often, as people, we look at things very binary, like it's mm. either one or the other. So there's nothing stopping us from having a seat at the table and creating our own table as right. well. So, um, yeah, I, I am an advocate of creating our own table, but I also do see the importance of having a seat at their table as well. But um, in regards to some of the projects that you just mentioned. So one of the projects was, it was called Women in Linux. So we created a tech consortium called Tech Equity. And this was with organizations such as UK Fast, Tech Manchester, mm-hmm. and the Hero Works Institution. And this came about by me being at a networking event with a representative from UK Fast. So 
for those who, who may be listening that won't understand the UK fastest, but it's like the Manchester version of AWS, Amazon Web Services. Okay. So to provide a lot of those online services and the worth like probably about a billion pound now. Um, so I contacted, I, I approached the, the lady who was representing the organisation and just basically said, you're in our area, there's a lack of diversity in the tech industry, you're based in Moss Side and Hume, like, what are you doing to kind of wrap this? Mm. So they invited us in, shown us round, shown us what they were doing, and then a couple of weeks after that, they invited us back in and was like, right, we've got this project that we'd like you to be a part of. So the project was specifically targeting black women from the local area. It was open to all women, but that's who they target focus was based on mm-hmm. as part of the program we delivered a soft skills workshop so based on confidence building mindset and mindfulness self-esteem resilience and it was a 12-week program we delivered to two cohorts and then we got further funding to deliver to another two cohorts and we extended it to 16 weeks at the end of the program the women guaranteed a job interview and a lot of them have gone on to employment some with amazon and some of the awards so yeah it was a huge success and, yeah. and one of our proudest achievements that nah. was under tap project yeah nah, and, and that's when you know it really kind of piqued my interest because you know that's a field that's a you know an area that i know very well in terms of the corporate space i've been involved in it you know pretty much my whole career and it's it was always you know like i was explaining to you always i guess puzzling for me to not understand why there wasn't too many of us in these spaces because it's, it's definitely not a lack of talent. Yeah. I think we can all agree on that. So, you know, it was always one of those things that I was always thinking, you know, how can we get more? And, and it comes with a level of, like you said, understanding from people who come from our communities, who mm-hmm. come from our background. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, people always talk about how the culture of the organisation, the culture that they're trying to build and stuff like that, but the culture of the people Mm-hmm. really does almost set the tone for how probably the culture of the organisation is going to be because if you can't mesh cultures mm-hmm. and people who are from different backgrounds mm-hmm. it's very different then to build or actually promote you know this unison of a culture you know yeah. to everyone it, it's, it's going to be very very difficult so yeah no, that's that's a big deal what you guys did so nah, I definitely wanted to um, to get you to expand on that thank you um, one of the things that I also liked that we spoke about was um, the um, Seika, um, yeah. if I'm pronouncing that right. Seika, Seika, sorry. Seika Bank. So can you expand on that? Because number one, again, I think this is just incredible. And I was hearing you talking about it. I went away and I really sat down and I was like, these brothers are here building a bank. <laughs> money, but how can the people... You know, from our community, our background actually benefit from it. So, can you expand on that? Yeah, sure. So, Seeker Bank came about through my connections, through my team in Ghana. So, when I say my team, I also have a media company. So, it's Nonstop Media Hub. And I have um, a team in Ghana who I outsource a lot of work to. So, they're called Bramfluenzas. And the CEO of Bramfluenzas, Nano, when we started formulating our relationship, he, he was expressing interest in, in creating a bank. So we had further conversations, discussing how we can how we can um, put this bring this to fruition. Mm-hmm. And then we started bringing other people on board and we've just been running with it since. Um, so the issue with with a lot of the banks in Ghana is um, they they don't they're not it's not as accessible with the banking infrastructures as it is for us over here. 
So the, there's a lot of people who are unbanked in Ghana. So we, we're trying to fill a void where we have something modern and an app that they've had 24 hour access to. Um, we're trying to introduce uh, micro loans to help build the companies, also adding in the API element for the marketplace so we can provide that service and build their websites and adding the, the payment platforms that should all be interconnected with the bank. So yeah, the, the app's nearly finished. We're able to start rolling out with the API market placement from next month. And then we're just looking at um, some seed funding rounds to help us expand so we can acquire the micro finance loan license and yeah, just grow from there. But I'm, I'm really happy with the way things are developing. But we've built up, a, built up a strong team of, of people from different backgrounds and yeah, all systems work. Wow, that's again, it's, it's incredible because, it, and why this is so necessary, and I told you this offline as well, why I think you, know, you and the work you're doing is so necessary is because you know, in and amongst the people that, you know, kind of are in my circle that I really kind of speak to, especially on a daily or that, you know, we're liaising with to say, right, this is what we're holding, this is how we're going. These are the conversations we're having. Mm-hmm. I just think it's so crucially important that stuff like this is known to the masses. Stuff mm-hmm. like this is out there because I think it, number one, it shifts people's ideology of, you know, kind of, what we are as a people, what we yeah. can actually do and achieve. Mm, what's possible. Um, absolutely. <clears throat> and I just think it really probably sparks maybe, you know, the conversation as to not just how people can help, but how they can probably also, you know, get on board with their own initiatives, their yeah. own ideas and really kind of actually go after it. Because mm-hmm. I had um, a good, good friend of mine, good brother Larry Long, um, Junior, on the podcast that you'd probably like him. Energy guard, energy guard. But he was um, saying, you know, and he said something that was really true, which is, you know, what you see is what you believe. Mm -hmm. And like you pointed out earlier, in terms of, you know, the the crew you were running with back in the day, you know, kind of what they were into and influencing, that's usually kind of how we are shaped into what we go on to do. Yeah. So when you are having, I find myself now, after our conversation for the first time, I was like, yo, I'm not doing enough. <laughs> I, need, I need to be out here doing a lot more. But it just really was inspiring because there's so many things that, you know, that align in terms of what we were kind of working on and the, the different missions that we were working on. I think it was dope that not just we sit down, but we really get the message out there yeah. to the masses to let them know, like, you know, this is what you and the team are doing and, and this is, you know, mm-hmm. kind of what we're, we're looking to push for sure. Especially the narrative out there, it needs yeah. to change. Nothing before it's time though, isn't it? And yeah. You're on your path now and you create the change. Yeah. I, I feel like I, I kind of came to a realisation recently where I was able to articulate, something I've been doing but I'm able to articulate more and so, you know, the Jay-Z quote, I'm not a businessman, I'm a businessman. Yeah. So I feel like I kind of have operated as myself as a business and like, mm-hmm. so you know, like where say, if you set up a business and you have like a mission statement and, yeah. and whatever the mission of the organisation is, so I'm aware of my mission. So my mission is to mm-hmm. try and have, so a key word would be impact. Try and have as big an impact as possible. So every decision I try and make is based on how much of impact will that make, based on my mission of having of trying to restore Africa back to greatness. Mm-hmm. That makes sense, yeah. but it. it I try and counterbalance it with my own personal values. So as we had a conversation about, so my main value is freedom. So how can I attain as much freedom as possible Mm. whilst making as much of an impact as possible 
by being as happy as possible as well. So those are the three things that I'm always trying to counterbalance. Yeah, that, that equation is fire because I think those are the guiding light for probably most people and should be, you mm -hmm. know, definitely your happiness, prioritizing that. But you put the, I think the key word you mentioned just now is freedom. And mm -hmm. again, when you spoke those words and when we were talking, I was like, yeah, that's that's definitely the aim. That's mm -hmm. definitely the aim, I think, because it, it brings about it so much, not just, you know, the fact that you can do what you want, et cetera, et cetera, but, you know, it's being able to move in a certain way, being able, being able to have, you know, a certain amount of say or whatever it may be, but, you know, it's a, it's a powerful word, man, and it's a word that, you know, let's face it, our people have been fighting for from day one, yeah. you know. And, and again, it boils down to what does freedom mean to you? So we can have mm. different perspectives on freedom. So yeah. that's a, a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah it shows about to take a hard look. <laughs> yeah. um, another organisation um, I do want you to touch on, because I, you know, I did some research and kind of looked into it, and again, you know, fascinating and in terms of the numbers as well, absolutely staggering um, what they were kind of promoting out there. I think it was most organisations who, you know, are diverse or have a real heavy footprint of diversity, you know, you're looking at uh, an addition, I believe it was like 24 billion. It was some really crazy number, um, ADPAC is what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and for, again, for those of you who are listening, those of you who are watching, if you don't know, um, the African Diaspora Public Affairs Committee, you know, who Otis is obviously, you know, connected with and part of as well. Uh, I believe as a strategic... Um, yes, a strategic advisor right, committee, yeah. pardon this. There you go. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But it, the organisation itself is pretty dope on what they stand for. So right. can you give some context as to, you know, what the mission for, for ADPAC um, is and, and obviously your role that you play in it as well? Yeah, so it's kind of still in its formulation process. So this was founded by my brother Dino Kai Sr., yeah. Someone I look up to um, heavily and is making great strides to um, impacting our community and, and you know yeah, and progressing us forward. Yeah. Um, so it's it's an umbrella organisation for the African diaspora community um, nationally. So they have different factions across London um, and other other cities throughout the UK. So. The aim is just for all to for, for us all to work cohesively towards the greater goal of having our say as a people and being in control of what's just being in control of our own of everything that we we need to be in control of. So similar to the Jewish community, they have something called APAC, I think it's called. So when these conversations are taking place with um, with the people who are running the country, we we are not part of these conversations so we we're trying to create an organization that represents us all that where we can be part of those conversations and dictate what's happening that's impacting us mm -hmm. so that, that's a basic gist of how we try to articulate it so some of the initiatives under ADPAC are the school to industry pipeline so you may have heard mm -hmm. of the school to prison pipeline yeah. where it shows the data and statistics show that when a young person's been kicked out of school, like the likelihood that they'll end up in prison. So we're trying to reverse that by wow. showing them, by setting them on the right path from early to to achieve career success in whatever avenue they, they want to go into. Uh, again, you know, super incredible organisation and shouts out to Dino and the work that they're doing over there. Because I think that's such a powerful statement to say, 
you know, school to industry. I think that mm -hmm. alone kind of sets the precedent to just let these kids know, you know, kind of where your future lies, mm -hmm. you know, because you're right, there actually is a pipeline in terms of, you know, and that's, it's crazy how that's actually studied and, you know, these stats are out there and how much is being done about it, you know, you can argue not enough, but, you know, for how you guys now are switching the narratives, so we can really look at from, you know, these kids in school, you know, mm -hmm. as young as they are, you know, really making them aware of, you know, what their, their future holds, what, what's actually in front of them, because they're very impressionable. And like you said, once you're kind of down a certain path, it's, you know, people don't really tend to be that supportive or, you know, they're not out there kind of championing you. Yeah, let's do this. It's unfortunately, you kind of just become another statistic. Yeah, you know, so. I feel it's just um, raising awareness for the young people to know what opportunities are out there and also um, how we, how can you turn what they're passionate about into a career. Mm -hmm. Like now we have um, eSports, not a lot of young people like playing computer games. You can now make a career out of it. There's, there's young yeah. youths that have become millionaires from it, for example. So I'm currently last week I handed in the, the first two chapters from a from a dissertation and doing a master's in management practice with the University of Manchester. And the three focus lenses were on corporate social responsibility, social enterprises and innovation. Mm. But it was based on a 20 year period from 2002 mm. when Manchester held the Commonwealth Games. And this year, 2022, 20, um, we have the Commonwealth Games back in the UK held in Birmingham. Mm. And it was there was a particular focus based on the legacy programs of those of the, the um, two two tournaments, and it was interesting looking back at the data of what um, of how the corporate entities um, what they contribute towards the legacy after the Commonwealth Games, and it wasn't disproportionate. The the funds were disproportionately allocated towards African African diaspora communities. And considering that we made up more than 50% of the countries involved in the Commonwealth Games and we increased um, the economy based on the tourism during that, um, during that tournament vastly, like we, you owe us some money. So this time around, <laughs> pay, us, like, pay us what we're worth. And um, so as I was taking a deeper dive into, um, into the legacy program of what I feel should be implemented and uh, put forward a case that there needs to be more emphasis based on STEM, so science, technology, maths, engineering and maths, and those discussing like the, the things that's going to evolve within the Commonwealth Games, like yeah. esports and stuff. And I submitted this a couple of weeks ago and it was funny that yesterday there was a, a news article on, um, a news report on Sky Sports saying that esports is going to be piloted in the Commonwealth Games this this year. Really? So I was just I just knew I was on the right track, and it was inevitable oh, just in a matter of time. So. Yeah, now nah, as they say, uh, my boy Joey says that yes, yesterday's price is not, <laughs> not today's <laughs> price, but we yeah we bigger than these that to to come to the table for, for this year. Nah, and I think that's super dope because you're absolutely right. You know, it's a conversation. You know, even with the youngsters that. I interact with or that I'll speak to um, it is a lot about their passion mm -hmm. you know we get caught up and I think you know whole another topic but in terms of the schooling system and kind of how the curriculums are devised and all this stuff you know you often get kids who might just not show an interest in you know I guess let's say school in air quotes as as, um, as traditional 
you know, um, practices, what have you believe, but their passion, like you said, might be in gaming, you know. Yeah. These are all now avenues and, and careers that are being carved out of mm-hmm. basically technology and now, mm-hmm. like you said, people are making absolute bank off of it, you yeah. know, so why should we be left out of the conversation? Exactly, and, and I feel like, so a lot of people will say, oh, the system's not working mm. and complain, but for me, the system's working perfectly the way it was designed to work. Facts. Like, the, the whole school system, I feel it's, it was designed to produce people to be part of a conveyor belt and just roll them into to being workers, not to be, to think for themselves and be entrepreneurs and and this is part of the reason why I homeschool my son. I feel it's a one-size-fits-all model to where Absolutely. everyone's taught like the, the same, at the same level, the same speed. So what happens if someone's at selling, like they're being held back. So for example, when I was in primary school, I loved maths. Mm. And like me and my friend would kind of compete, you know, finish the maths books as quick as possible. Yeah. I remember asking, oh, can I take the maths book home? I wanted to do homework with the maths <laughs> and they wouldn't let me take it home. Like, <laughs> why, would you not encourage, why would you not encourage that? Like, so yeah, yeah. so that, that's like one of the issues with school. But I just feel like a, a few years ago, I got to the point where I had to start living um, my life in the way how I was thinking. So I started going through certain changes and like, I knew from my understanding that like eating meat and dairy wasn't good for you. But I was still consuming bits. So I came across Dr. Sebi in like 2007 and I stopped eating red meat at that time. Yeah, yeah. And then about, I just wasn't ready to give up chicken yet <laughs> at that time. <laughs> and then about 2013, I stopped eating chicken and was slowly weaning off like the, the fish and the dairy. And then the day Dr. Sebi died, August the 6th, 2016, like as a dedication to him, I was like, right, I'm going to do it properly now. Mm. Just went full plant-based and I've not looked back since. So, And I feel like I've, um, in other areas of my life, I've applied that same ethos. So like with the schooling system, if I have these beliefs, like why am I going to roll my son into school so we're homeschooling? Although he does go to some part-time education at Montessori House, which is a different approach to education okay. where... Um, to have the resources available for the young people and whatever they're drawn towards, they tailor the education yeah, around that. that. Yeah, so he does a couple of days with that. Like, we had a home birth with my son, so I'm partners a doula and a yoga teacher. Um, we've done a lotus birth, which is where we don't cut the umbilical cord, you just leave it to disattach naturally. Mm-hmm. So disattach that for about three days. So just in all areas of my life and trying to live by what I believe and yeah, just implement those. No, it's super dirt. And I think, you know, it just comes to mind every time I hear you speak and just the moves you're making is, you know, kind of free thinking, mm-hmm. you know, because we're so heavily influenced in today's world by, you know, whether it be social media, the circles we're running in, you know, just what's being basically thrown at us, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost like you just, you just go along with it. And mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right in terms of that conveyor belt, you know, kind of scenario, that situation where, you know, kids especially, and it's, it's really sad to see because I'm the same, I'm a parent as well. And a lot of my beliefs and a lot of the things that I kind of really take to heart, you know, I'm pushing that narrative to my daughter, you mm-hmm. know, making sure that she's aware, like, you know, as a, a young black woman, you know, you are limitless in terms of what you can achieve, in terms of what you can mm-hmm. do, because society will absolutely tell you there is a ceiling and you yeah. can only go but so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that we have very, very honest, open conversations about. How old is your daughter? Yeah, she's 13. Okay. Yeah. So she's at that age now where it's like, you know, she's asking these questions. Yeah. You know, yeah. she's asking about, you know, I think we had a conversation the other day about the Holocaust and on 
just like she's curious about this stuff so mm -hmm. i'm like let's have these conversations yeah. you know let's understand where you come from you know like your your background and you know just kind of how um and people would always paint this narrative about you know the continent and africa and stuff like that and i had this conversation with her and i call her you know my little princess my little queen mm -hmm. because you know and i said this um the other day like words really have power yeah you know and i i encourage her to really speak a lot of the things that she wants to do she believes in really really speak those things very mm -hmm. loudly very, yeah you know what i mean it's just a, a deep way of, of kind of really thinking about things because otherwise, yeah, you know, leaving her to her own devices and, and her friends or whatever is out there, then it's a bit like you're not really sure how things are going to turn out. So for me, I just kind of take that mantle on board and be like, right, let me do that. Yeah, so yeah, just the, the educational, you know, side of things and kind of my take on it anyways and I think you know what you're doing is mm -hmm. it's probably the feeling a lot of parents maybe a lot of people in general in terms of you know how the pandemic shifted our way of thinking and ideologies I know some people are just like no nah, you're going to school <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you're not you're not going to be but I think it's just you know what are you you know wanting to teach your kids you know it mm -hmm. comes down to that so yeah I think it's key to tailor their educational program based on what they're interested in so one of the things that we're also doing on the tap is um, one of our directors, Mia Akroma, she's released an e-book on home-centered, African-centered home education. Mm -hmm. She's wrote a children's book based on Sankofa principles. And we're also looking to launch our own um, educational provision. So we ran a pilot a few years ago called About Baobab Circle, which was an um, African-centered stay and play. But we're looking to expand upon that and set something more permanent, hopefully towards um, September this year. Oh, oh, oh. Um, so TAP, mm -hmm. let's talk about it. Um, kind of one of the organisations, another one of <laughs> the organisations you're involved in. Um, so kind of just break down, you know, that side of the business, you know, what you guys are doing and, and your involvement as well. Because again, mm -hmm. another dope initiative, things that you guys are doing. Um, yeah, really yeah. cool. Um, so TAP stands for the African POT. Um, as I said, we've incorporated from October 2017. We work with African African diaspora under the four pillars of health, education, business and community. Mm -hmm. And we provide products, services, training and events under those four pillars. So some of the things we've got coming up are we, we, we've been funded by an outdoor clothing company called Patagonia to take young people on outdoor activities. So we took groups to do um, indoor rock climbing, mountain biking, hiking, which was in partnership with Black Girls Hike. So um, Rianne Fatigan, who just recently won an award at the Northern, I don't know the title of it, <laughs> Northern Power Awards, Women's Power Awards, something like that. Um, so yeah, she's, she's doing really well. And then um, we're just looking to build upon those relationships. So this year, looking to expand the program and do further activities such as um, snowboarding, skiing, you know, just just try to let the young people experience things mm -hmm. that they don't necessarily experience day to day. Yeah. Um, as well as that, there's a program, it's a four-part series of events we're launching called Sunday Dinners. So within our community, it's synonymous that on Sundays we'd go to our grandparents and have mm -hmm. Sunday dinner and all band and go there and yeah. vibes and just, you know, unite. But we, feel, we felt that 
that's not really being passed down to like our generation, we're not really keeping up the, the tradition. Yeah. So we've got some funding to put on an event every quarter, which we're gonna call Sunday dinners. So we're hiring the community space, we're gonna provide free, free food for the community, and we're gonna have thought provoking conversations based on the four pillars of, of, um, of TAP. So one event will be based on business, one on education, etc., etc. And we'll do it by introducing a game called Bob in UK. So Bob stands for black owned business, but it's not necessarily about um, monetary businesses, but you know, just based on the expression of minding your own business. Mm. So, so um, topics, it, we'll have thought provoking conversations, which will be solution based on how we can enhance as a community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, you know, I think it's not to be underestimated, bro. The, First of all, the amount of pies you got your hands in is <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but like I said, the fact that they're pretty much all mission-led, yeah. you know, they're all, like you said, they're tied to a very clear purpose, you know, for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, you know, the happiness, the freedom. And I think just everything that you stand for, you're actually living and doing yeah. through these organisations, which are essentially an extension of yourself in a lot of ways mm-hmm. you know so that for me is dope to see and you know hopefully on on this show you know where we really champion how we can get more you know black ethnic minorities into spaces that you know we're often you know not represented we're not heard mm-hmm. um, we lack a bit of you know um ability to actually influence change mm-hmm. hopefully these are the organizations and all of the initiatives that you're working on these are the things that can really push, you know, the envelope to where people are now like, okay, number one, we can get behind these these um, these organisations, but number two, we can actually do this ourselves. Yeah, you know, we can actually work with each other. We can actually help and champion each other to come along, and really make this a, uh, you know, a, a natural community to where we're all moving in the same direction. So yeah, definitely. Like I'm, I'm something I want to set up this year. So I just recently completed a course with the the African. Angel Academy, is the Angel African, yeah, African Angel Academy, where mm. it basically teaches about angel investments. So, what set my own angel investment group towards the end of the year with a particular focus of investing in different projects um, across the continent. So, I've kind of like um, collated a list of people I want to headhunt for different positions. Mm. So, I'm hoping to, yeah, set it out towards towards the back end of the year. Yeah, no, I guess it, it's a good segue onto the uh, the conversation I wanted to pick your brain on as well, which is, you know, the, the business aspect, mm-hmm. right? And, and where we kind of sit in this realm of now most people, if not, you know, well, especially from, you know, the pandemic and how things kind of turn out, a lot of people now are maneuvering into that entrepreneurship role, they're maneuvering into, you know, wanting to own their own business or at least having some kind of a side hustle. So the VC kind of, conversate well VC kind of fund that you're looking to build and that conversation when you're in these rooms and you know you guys are lobbying for funding or whatever it case is and how, how you're going about doing it how is that in terms of I guess how it's received or you know what's that that sort that those scenarios and those situations like because that's that's a big part you know of, of business and a lot of people probably aren't too clued up with you know how to go about doing that you know in mm-hmm. a lot of ways so I'd say that's more what the focus of Burn is um, is aiming towards. So I'm I'm just a shareholder of Burn. Um, I stepped down as a director, as my focuses wasn't really on fighting for a seat at the table. It was more on creating our own table. So I had to like make the decision like what I'm more 
what more and more I put my energy into. So I'm still connected with the organisation yeah. and still assisting in this mission in whatever way I can by introducing them to, to new entities, new people, organisations, etc. Yeah. So Burns mission is to, so we have GMCA in Greater Manchester, so that's the Greater Manchester Combined Authority. So they fund a lot of the initiatives throughout the city. Mm -hmm. So their um, annual budget is 8 billion. So we're campaigning for 1% of their annual budget to be specifically set aside for the African African diaspora community. So that would be 80 million. So that would be through grants and tenders. So Bern are also running a training program to train organizations so that they're procurement ready and they're, they have everything, all the foundations set so then they can apply for these grants and tenders. So, um, so yeah, that, that's one of the missions of the, yeah. no, the organization. That's, that's they, they also have a program called Board Apprentice. So I think we, the statistic is we have 1.5% of black people in senior positions throughout the UK. So it's mm. this, this the, it's disproportionate in regards to the ratio of the population that we have in the UK, so this statistic needs to change. So there's a programme that been a working partnership with Board Apprentice where you can be placed on a board for a 12-month period mm -hmm. and then that programme is to be have a permanent position on that board. So we're well, working towards changing that statistic. Yeah. Uh, again, another great initiative because hopefully it gets more of us into the rooms where these decisions are being made. Mm -hmm. These conversations are being had um, with or without us, so we might as well be present yeah. and have a voice yeah, exactly. right? and be as loud as possible yeah. once we're doing it. Definitely. Um, hopefully. Now, my brother, like I said, man, I think, you know, there's so many different things that, you know, we touched on and a lot of different, you know, kind of projects, initiatives that you're working on um, before we, you know, start to really kind of wrap things up, what's next, what's coming up, um, there's a lot that you, <laughs> that you spoke about so that we might have covered it all, at least most of it anyways, but what's um, in the near future or long term, uh, both for yourself, but also for some of those companies and organisations you're part of? So ideally, I, I see myself as a, as a venture builder, so I'm trying to create an ecosystem of interconnected businesses that feed into each other, mm. so the best way I can where this is so my, I'm trying to be in a position where my, my bread and butter is earned through my position as the president of the minerals committee under same blast scent. so once that kicks off I know that can generate a, a high revenue income stream for me and I want to use those funds to then invest in different projects whether it be in Africa or here in the UK as well so in order to do that I know I need to create a machine so through my media company, I want to, I'm looking at creating a media hub, which which will kind of like be an idea machine. So any idea I've got, I can just run it through the people that was running that machine and that can be brought to life. Yeah. So I want to invest in other businesses that also build things digitally and physically as well. Mm. So what, um, I'm, heavy, I'm, I'm heavily interested in um, the health field. So I've seen plant-based, I'd like to open my own you know, plant-based store as well. So there's conversations I've been having in regards to to those ventures. And just, um, what, what I would say is, so, you know, like Dragon's Den and Shark Tank. Yeah. Like yeah. initially when I was first watching those programs, I seen myself as the person pitching, doing the pitching, mm. but that's transitioned to me seeing myself as the person sat down in the chair and oh, reviewing the pitch. And, and, and something that I picked up with them is to always say that, yeah, we're in, 
when they invest, yeah, I can they, they can introduce those businesses into their teams, into their systems, yeah. and that's the avenue that I'm trying to follow where I can invest in a project but and I can have a consultant to run, give advice to whoever's running it, but then I can run that through my machine that can help develop it and build mm. it. So yeah, I'd say yeah, I'm interested in becoming a venture builder. Love that, love that. Well, you know, we'll we'll make sure we we connect ties and you know we, we get some we get some stuff off the table because I, I think it's so important you know the the stuff that you spoke about today and just really kind of you know I guess backing the action like to actually taking the steps to make a change in not just what you're doing but a lot of these organisations and how you know they whether they're representing us or not you know how it can be perceived to to make some or come about with some kind of change. Mm-hmm. You know, Definitely. because I think a lot of these organisations, like we spoke about it, it is a it is a tick box exercise, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. And then you do want to actually have some kind of ownership as well, Definitely. you know, as a people, as what we're doing. Um, Just to add as well, so there's another organisation I'm a member of called Ledge, which is Land Environmental oh, Development Group Economics. So in this organization, us in the, it's, it's about merging them, us in the diaspora with those on the continent. So we create a business model where we have the capital and we invest, and then those on the ground run the businesses. And it tends to be, a, it's different on different um, businesses, but the general model is 51% is owned by those on the continent, 49% by us in the diaspora, and we're currently operating in about 10 different countries. So some of the things I've invested in is... Um, I've acquired 10 hectares of land in Zambia, which we're looking at developing a farm. I'm also looking at build, getting a, a fairly large house built so we can do repatriation trips so people can come over, stay there, get a tour of the city and a taste of Africa and see if that's a country where they want to live in. I've also acquired a, a, an acre of land in Tanzania and I'm also a part owner of a safari resort in Arusha. So again, they can come over, get a taste of Africa, stay, learn how to do farming, etc. So... I'm hoping to set up bases in about 10 different countries within Africa yeah. and introduce like world schooling with my son so I can just travel and they can get a taste of, of the world because I feel travel is an important aspect of education that, that is um, it's not highlighted enough. Yeah, yeah. Nah. And I think just what you, just even as you're speaking and I'm, I'm visualising it or looking at it, you mm-hmm. know, it's a dope scenario to really have a concept in terms of all those different countries, all those different areas, and how you can build out. And like you said, getting people to really come and experience, mm-hmm. you know, those parts of, of the of the continent, I think, number one, 100% changes people's perception. Because mm-hmm. uh, I still think people think these adverts from 1900 you know, <laughs> with, with the kids on, like, it's, it's, it's a madness. You don't know what I think it's kind of changed as well. So, like, when we was younger, it would just be a diss to call someone African. Like, yeah, 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 no, facts. <laughs> You're like, no, I'm not African. No, 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 no. But, yeah. but I feel like now, it's it's culturally cool to be African. Like, mm. even in the music industry, we've seen a lot of a lot of these um, African artists like have high um, interests. In, it's just a whole different ball game now. So it's like, it's cool to be African now. Yeah. So you've seen a lot more people like claiming that Whereas back in the day, they wouldn't claim it. Nah, not so, at all. Nah, that's, that's actually a good point because, you know, it was always an interesting conversation. Obviously, I'm West Indian, mm-hmm. you know, like yourself, and obviously a lot of my boys, they were Africans. So it was one of those ones where you would get actually a lot of people, when I was growing up anyways, and, and kind of meeting different people, 
like they would actually be like, oh yeah, no, from Caribbean or this mm-hmm. and that. But now, like you said, it's more of a you know almost pride. You know, it's, it's proud. You know, yeah, to, yeah. to be. And I, I think you know it's it's long overdue. You know, we can all argue that. And I think it's it's really now about taking advantage of that. Mm-hmm. You know, like the stuff that you're doing on the continent, and you know anyone who's obviously wanting to get involved we'll make sure that you know all this information is plugged in the show notes and definitely, definitely get Marcus Garvey was asked mm. I don't know what the question was but um, his answer was why would he choose an island over a continent mm. yeah nah, don't let that go over your head <laughs> don't, don't, don't let that go over your head and I think it's one of those it's one of those um, one of those things as well where bro it's it's a continent of us mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you're actually the majority. Exactly. Like, why would you not? So much untapped opportunities that's waiting for us to capitalise. And I feel once the African diaspora connects with those on the continent, would be an unstoppable force. And that's mm-hmm. what I feel the powers that be are trying to present. So there's so much obstacles putting away from preventing us from connecting. But but once we do, yeah, it's our yeah. systems going yeah. and we can create those vertically integrated systems where... Um, those on the continent could be focused on manufacturing and we set up a distribution line and then us in the diaspora and push with the retail factor so um, yeah it's already written you know it's already written it's just a matter of time and like I said I love what you're doing all the stuff that you're involved in you know um, we're definitely gonna I'm sure connect and and um, it's necessary Uh, I was actually talking to a few of our boys I think they're, they're out in the US um, but they're from obviously back home, back in Barbados, back, back in Barbados as well. And I was like, "Yo, I linked up with one brother, yeah. Listen, <laughs> nah, we, we, we're gonna make some fun things happen, man. Because I, like I said, the whole purpose and point of the show, and why I even, you know, decided to to do all this, because it's it's not necessarily easy. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It, it, re- it really isn't. Um, <laughs> So just your time and, you know, chasing people to run around, all that stuff. I just think it was, first of all, it was birthed from a personal place, you know, for me anyways. And I was like, I want to get, you know, these messages, these stories, you know, these journeys that people like yourself, you know, all the other guests we've had on the show as well, to really paint a narrative and really share their story and their journey so that it allows people to to dream, it allows you to be inspired, to be motivated by, mm-hmm. you know, this is actually what's possible, you know, and it just doesn't have to be one person. Yeah. You know, I think that's the biggest takeaway from, you know, this whole show and what we're doing is like, that's why it's called Bring On Us Along, you yeah. know, because there needs to be more of us and the more of us that are in these spaces and doing what you're doing and all the other guys who've been blessed to, who have been blessed to have on the show, bro, it makes it a lot easier. Definitely, I feel it's just about finding your purpose and going all in. Mm-hmm. And something I recently discovered when I looked deeper into like the meaning of my name. So my name's Otis Sean Thomas. Mm-hmm. Did I explain this to you? No, 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 no. So, so basically, Otis means wealth, Sean means by God's grace, and Thomas means leader. And I just took it as by the meaning of my name, by God's grace, I'm meant to lead people towards wealth. And I feel mm-hmm. that's like my path oh. and what I'm doing. Yeah. So it's living my purpose. Right, that's... Yeah, man, it's incredible, and like I said, you know, we can definitely have, I don't know, another two hours probably on the, on the <laughs> show, but now we'll, we'll, you know, definitely be, um, like I said, we'll definitely be linking again, and there's a lot more stuff that we'll be, 
have uh, coming down the pipeline, you know, I talked about kind of getting the networking kind of, um, you know, events on and, and all this, all these different things that I think, you know, the people are definitely messaging and those who are reaching out and stuff like that, you know, they're liking the content and liking the, the value add, mm-hmm. I, would, I would say, you know, that these conversations are bringing and just getting the word out there in terms of, you know, how we as a people can really be, you know, I think championing each other and really pushing you know, the culture forward. So, you know. and I, I, before you wrap up, I just want to say salute to you for, for doing this. It's, yeah, it's something that's needed. You're bringing light on topics and conversations that we need to have in our community. So keep going and persevering and appreciate to where you aspire. Yeah, nah, you know, the, the goals is, is, you know, like I said, there's no ceiling. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's for us to really, you know, have a platform for us mm-hmm. first and foremost and you know how we then use that platform to present and you know provide and show the world all the amazing and wonderful things that us as a people are doing and can do mm-hmm. you know that's the goal yeah so yeah long may it continue but boy my brother i am super appreciative of you coming on today i, I can't express that enough i think you know from the moment we sat down and we had that conversation i was blown away by all the stuff you're doing all the people you're connecting, all the moves you're making. So, you know, congratulations on all the different projects. Um, we'll Thank definitely you, be man. looking out, you know, for, for everything you've got going on. Uh, too many to mention, <laughs> you know, hopefully, you know, we get a chance to really tap in and, you know, kind of uh, work and link up together. Oh, I 100% think, it's yeah, happening. Yeah. No, I, I think the alignment's there and certainly what we're looking to do, I think it makes perfect sense. And like mm-hmm. you said, that purpose-led, you know, kind of, really moving with with purpose mm-hmm. it changes everything definitely um, and it certainly has for me so yeah no I'm, 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 I think there's there's three key things that's needed to execute a vision and idea and then those are like the resources or capital your network and your knowledge and skill set mm. so I feel if you if you have those three things and you focus on those three on expanding those three things then whatever ideas you have then the the achievable well said and a good way I think to, to end this episode so uh, Otis my guy uh, this was good this was good, good. Uh, I, I, yeah, I appreciate it my guy I really do I really really do in a major way so for everyone listening everyone watching you know again I, I really really do appreciate all of the well wishes the thank yous you know the messages that come out you know everyone who's just been tapping into the messages we're putting out there um, keep it going you know make sure you you rate the show, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, and just, you know, leave us some some comments as to who you would like to see on the show. You know, we've got we've got a list uh, that we're going after, um, but we'll definitely make you sure. Who's top of the list? Because oh, I've seen with in your leisure that, was it Jay-Z, Nipsey and Dane, was that top three to one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you got the top three? I've actually got a top. I've started with the top ten oh, actually, yeah. but I think my top three. I think I think you know we spoke about it and we speak very highly of um of, of the guy, Mr. Bartlett. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's up there. Yeah. I yeah. think I think the work he's doing, the stuff he's doing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not sure if he listens to this or not, but yeah, shouts out to, to Stephen Bartlett, man. I think he's he's a goat in the industry. He's definitely he's he's definitely someone that I look up to and I take a lot of inspiration from. So he's up there. He's up there. Mm-hmm. So We'll see, you know, we're putting it out in the universe yep. and, let, and let that let that just let just go where it, where it lies. Um, but yeah, so 
Guys, again, thank you for, for tuning in this week. You know, another dope episode, amazing guest. Obviously, all of the information from today's episode and all the different um, organisations, what, what Otis has got going on, we're going to be linking in the show notes. We're going to be making sure we obviously get this across all our socials. Make sure to follow us at Bring Others Along podcast across all socials, you know, the TikToks, the Instagrams, the Facebooks, all that good stuff. And um, yeah, until next time, um, peace. See you guys next week. Peace out, bless.